0: Blog Talk Radio. Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Get a friend. Get informed. And get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio.
1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I'm your host, Jake Counts. Coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. And it is the 24th day of March, 2013. Thank you for joining us on tonight's broadcast. We got some exciting news coming down the pipe about some guests. Haven't got them locked in yet, but once I do, you guys will be the first to know. I'll be sure to make announcements on my Facebook page, post upcoming interviews on my blog, wearenotcattle.net. And I will also post um some other things in my YouTube channel. So I've also got some pretty exciting stuff going on there with a collaborative effort between me and some other guys, some other uh I guess libertarians, if you will. Basically we just call ourselves, you know, freedom activists for the most part. You know, just trying to educate people on um on just being free, whether it's uh internet freedom with uh Cispa Sopa. The guys here me covered that couple of um, couple of months ago. Also, um, good news coming out of Congress. I think it was Friday. I guess that um, a bunch of the senators ended up voting down going on to the the UN plantation and um, signing on to the UN Small Arms Treaty. So we've defeated one step, one tiny, tiny step of this globalization privatization mechanism. That is referred to as many as the New World Order, or crony capitalism, or whatever you call it. It's a small group of people running the lives of all of us, dictating to us what we should do and not do with our lives what we should and should not put in our bodies, so on and so forth. So, just giving you a glance of what I went through this weekend. And the propaganda now is becoming so so crazy (laughs) and it's everywhere you look and and i don't mean to sound like alex jones but once you start paying attention to this stuff it's really kind of creepy it's the demonization of individual rights everywhere you go i've got a clip from bloomberg where he once again doesn't shock anybody and and talks about how it's the government's job to inform us on what's right and then it's up for the people to decide meanwhile he's banning soft drink handguns clips magazines i know that's cuomo doing that stuff but just real authoritarian you know top-down pyramid kind of management i guess you know whatever he decries you know he's just and they always use this veil and this cover for this propaganda for this for this increasing uh state and monitoring with the with the internet now saying that well they're just gonna spy on a few things. Listen, they've been spying on this for a long, long time. Alright? So this this is nothing new, but now they're just coming out in the open with it, which I really don't understand. Like why would you why would you let the sheep know how bad they're getting sheared? And that's gonna lead me into the financial stuff tonight. Mainly tonight is going to be about the financial side of things and why in the topic for the show I said that they're going to try to use uh, Korea North Korea as like another cold war but I don't really see that manifesting the way that they think that it's going to number one because Korea is just out there that's just that that is a civilization that is just out there but then again it's it's a product of big government, collectivism, communism, and then you see what it becomes. And that's what I can't understand about the collectivists in general. Like, I don't understand how you guys cannot look at other nations that preach the model that you talk about, that you know we need to let the state monitor and manage all of these things. I mean, look at Soviet Russia. How did that work out? Well, a bunch of you know, super-rich people got even even more rich and and they annihilated a lot of their population. but you know, all in all, it's a good place to live now. So so the I guess so the collectivist model would like you to think, and I'm sure they say the same thing about Korea, and they say the same thing about other totalitarian communist areas because once again as i've said many times karl marx had a lot of great points i mean they all sound great but you give into the hands of a bunch of a bunch of humans and we're going to find a way to muck it up i mean if you look at true utilitarian or true communism it is it is a utilitarian perspective in the fact that we can all share everything leaving out the fact that that humans are greedy corrupt conniving Will do anything to, some will do anything to get ahead. Most will, as long as they can eat and as long as nothing's really infringing on their way of life, they'll just keep their mouths shut. So that's why you always have the surge. You have the surge to the top of the people that will do anything. that are ruthless. that will do anything to get ahead. they do anything to, to get a vote or anything like that. And then you have the masses down at the bottom, and they can't figure out how they can't get into the upper echelon where it's a rigged game. Once it gets to the certain point of the, the balkanization, divide and conquer, collectivized strategy, once the entire stratagem has come into effect, then you have the big discrepancy, which is what you're seeing in the United States. You're seeing them, and that's, and that's all the collectivism, aka socialism, communism, whatever you want to call it, any kind of collectivized meme that they roll out is always going to destroy the middle class. And that's not me saying that it's every economist that's written in an economics book on the planet that talks about the difference between capitalism and socialism, communism, what have you. So that's the intro. Now, why am I going on this tirade a little bit about collectivism, capitalism, what's good, what's not? Well, each system is kind of effed up in its own way. The collectivist model always brings about... Military, militarized, a militarized way of life, because the state ends up getting so big that the state doesn't want to lose its power. So what does it do? It turns on the people and says, "Okay, well, unless you start giving us everything you got, we're just, you know, we're we're just going to start taking away your civil liberties." And it begins, and it's begun here in the U.S. That's actually been going on for quite a while. For those who read history and those who try to study up and, and find out when this. Big slide began, but on the financial side of it, it's been going on for a while. The American empire has been going on for quite a while. And I can't remember who said this, but I'll look it up during one of these clips because I've got a bunch of them, a bunch of audio clips for you guys. It says war is a racket, and the only reason that any country would wage war would be to build a police state very profound statement, but it's true. I mean, you look at what America has done. We've been involved in a bunch of unconstitutional wars. We've got bases all over the world, and what do we have? We've probably got the biggest police state ever. And Americans are probably like, what are you talking about, police state? What do you, what do you mean? And listen, listen, this is nothing against cops, and cops know what I'm talking about. You know, a year ago, back in, in – articles came out in Oakland that – The cops would stop responding to to 30 different crimes. Most of them were domestic violence, murder, those kinds of things. Like the really, really nasty ones that you want a cop there. They're like, we ain't showing up. We got to go revenue generate. City's broke. Cities here are broke. Counties are broke here. DeKalb County, super broke. I live in Georgia. Completely broke. The Atlanta water the Atlanta municipality can't pay its water bills almost every month. So we're seeing a big push. And this is the time, everyone, this is the time where the collectivist model sounds fantastic. Hitler came in with the collectivist model. It sounded great. Yeah, I'm gonna restore jobs, everything's fine, fantastic. And I know people get a little bent off when you look at Hitler and stuff like that because the name just kind of resonates. It's kind of like it's kind of like when you bring up abortion. It's kind of like it just makes everybody kind of uh, makes everybody uneasy. Because most people have an opinion and when they do have an opinion, well not everyone has an opinion on Hitler, I mean, the majority will believe the history that has been documented. When you talk about things like abortion, people get a little bit they get a little bit choked up because it's such a galvanizing topic. Well, what we're experiencing now, not us as Americans, what we're experiencing as a world should be a galvanizing topic for everyone. And that is that the system has gone far beyond corruption. We're beyond that. We're beyond, you know, just you know, some little mobster running, you know, pardon my really weak analogy here. Some little mobster running a pizza joint in the back, you know, in the back room. He's running a card game or something like that. It's not what we're dealing with. We are dealing with global mafia men. Wear suits. Don't wear military garb like we're used to. And instead of using force, they use pens, write legislation, tell you what you can and can't do, tell you what you can and can't drink, Mayor Bloomberg. So why all this build-up, Jake? Why, why all of this? Because the people that say stuff like I say are starting to be propagandized all over the U.S. in subtle ways that we're the problem. And they're not going to come out and say that. But what they will do is they will drop subtle hints. Listen, they know that the American public only pays half ass attention to anything. They know that I would say about 70% of you are absolute cheap and have no idea how the dollar is created in your pocket. Which, there's nothing absolutely wrong with that if we're living in a flourishing economy. But since the economy is starting to melt and you guys still don't want to know what's going on. That's what makes you the sheep. But it's okay. We'll get to you because eventually, like like what um, Adam Kokesh said on his show, eventually it's going to start hurting you in the pocketbook. And you're not going to be able to play your Federal Reserve Monopoly game anymore and walk around with fiat currency and buy things. Probably not going to happen. Will we hit hyperinflation? God, I hope not. That does not sound like any fun to me you do hyperinflation with a bunch of other bubbles that are out there like the derivatives bubble and you've had all that stuff in one fell swoop we're going to it's going to be real nasty so you can forget the vacations and all that stuff and I'm not trying to fearmonger I'm trying to be real people let's let's be real for a minute there is a demonization campaign going on throughout the United States demonizing Quote-unquote patriots. God, I hate that word. Why do you hate that word, Jake? Anytime that you can put somebody into a category, it makes it very easy for them to be compartmentalized, labeled, stereotyped, driven away, and then we end up with the same crap that we've got in the past. I was monitoring the news this morning and listening to Cole Grove talk about how, you know, don't throw the Republicans out in the dustbin. Listen. Mr. Colroe, Rove, you that quote-unquote we create reality, why don't you create this? Okay? Why don't you create this for me? Why don't you create a dying political party that has no sense of direction, no leadership, just a bunch of yes-men in empty suits trotting up to Washington to go and vote on their party line? That's what you've got. And believe me, the Democratic Party is no better. We want to we want to take away. We just want reasonable restrictions on firearms, even though it's completely unconstitutional. We look past that. We want to do mandatory governmental health care. Why? Because the more that you give control to the government, obviously, the better off the people turn out. Because look at all these other nations where the government is huge and they've consolidated everything. Isn't it so much better than America? No, it's not. It's not, guys. And the reason that it's not is because they both work for the same guys. You guys got to figure this out. I mean, I'm sorry. I know that... For those of you guys that listen to me every week, this is like – this is probably like the 50th time I've hit you with this cricket stick. But it's the truth. Both parties are bought and paid for no matter who wins. The agenda is going to roll ahead. Now what does that signify? That signifies to me that there is one agenda, and that is to feed, manage, and control the population, which would be you. Now, maybe I am one of those ones that is just out in the forefront because I don't like to be told what to do. I don't think anybody does. But I really don't like it when people in suits tell me what to do when they are probably even bigger criminals than I will ever be. And that's just the facts. Stealing billions of dollars like John Corzine and not getting in trouble… That's incredible, and yet if I get pulled over with my buddy and he's got an open beer in my car, I'm going to jail. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Two billion dollars. So if I go out and steal two billion dollars from somebody, and I'm and and John Corzine's riding with his buddy and he's got an open beer, Corzine goes to jail and I'm scot free. It's a country, isn't it? Listen. You have to think about it like this. There is a small minority of people that don't care about you. And those are the people that are in charge. They don't care if your name's Rick, they don't care if your name's Rob, John, Kevin, they don't care. They want your money, they want your tax money. So they can go off and buy two, you know, 2 billion bullets and 3,000 armored tanks and stuff, all federal purchase orders. And it's like I told you before. I don't think they're gearing up for war with the American people. I think that it's either one of two things. Might even be a third leg to this. It's either they're trying to pay one of their buddies back that did them a solid who owns an arms dealership. Wouldn't be the first time that happened. Number two, they really do want to curb, curb gun control. And the way that they can curb it without passing legislation, what good are guns if you don't have bullets? Buy up all the bullets. And as for the armored tanks and stuff like that, they were probably just going to retire those things. So they're like, well, we'll just give it to the police stations. They could use them you know, to intimidate the population so that when we do so when we do come for the fifteen percent of bank accounts, we can just roll the armored truck up to Joe Bob's house and say, Hey Joe Bob, remember when you didn't remember when you closed your bank account early and you took all your money out? Well it says that you had about two hundred thousand dollars in that account. Now now did you pay your fifteen percent to the government for your you know, for your living, quote unquote living expenses? Or like they're saying they're gonna do in Cyprus, and I've got updates on that. It's just this is ridiculous. It's just asinine. But think about this, everyone. Am I anti government? No. Am I anti micromanagement? Yes. So therein lies the fine line. The amount of tyranny that you will put up with is the exact amount that you will live under. And so you're starting to see some of these things change, but they're only going to change because of political pressure. They're not going to change because you and I start a a radio broadcast and get thousands of people to listen to it. That's not going to change anything. What's going to change things is getting in these people's faces, going up and asking them why they're doing things. Hey, why did you vote for that? And if you guys aren't politically involved then don't tell me – sit here and tell me or talk to me about, about what you're doing. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. If you don't know your congressman, if you haven't talked to him before, do yourself a solid and call him and talk to him. Say, hey, I live in your district, and that's going to get their ears ringing because that's where the money comes from. So why did I have all this buildup about involvement, action, collectivism, capitalism, why, do we, why, why preface the show with all that stuff? Well, all that is on my mind. And on top of that, you have to find out what you believe in. It's not up to me. It's not up to me to sit here and tell you what you need to believe. If you believe that those bullets are there to kill every American... In the entire United States, and that the 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 all-terrain vehicles and and all the slush funds, you know, hundreds of millions of hundreds of excuse me, hundreds of billion dollars a year that have been put in black sites is all to kill the American people. That would be a reasonable assumption, but it's not mine. Do you believe that collectivism is the way to go? If you do, that's fine, but you better have some really really solid backing for it. Because I've got a multitude of examples saying that collectivism is crap. So, once again, it's not what I believe. You have to find this out, guys. And the more that you keep looking, the more that it'll stare you in the face. That you are owned. You are not a sovereign. You are not an individual. You are a number. You are a bank account. You are a label. You're a statistic, and we all are. But what the good thing about statistics is, the more of a quantity of something, sample size, the more you can get a gauge for for what that particular sample believes. So if I can get get my sample size, which would be my audience, to believe that knowledge and free thought... Don't make you a terrorist. The belief in alternative currencies and belief that a bunch of really rich and powerful people would try to collectivize the world and get even more rich and powerful. I mean, come on. But you have to be willing to put in the effort. You have to. Whether it's an hour a night, 30 minutes a day, whatever. And the reason I'm saying this stuff to you guys is because the the more that we force these things out into the open, the drones attacking American citizens, which the answer for that was ridiculous, for the two billion bullets…  … For the banning of the Second Amendment. Those are the kinds of things that you need to find out and ask yourself. And don't just repeat a talking point. Don't repeat something that you heard somebody say because it sounded great. Listen, I went around repeating that there's a world that they're trying to set up a world government and I had no idea what I was talking about until I read Agenda twenty one and I and I almost threw up on myself. So that stuff is real. That, that is completely real, documented, released from, that, released from that summit, and then they say, well, we're not implementing a- a- BS. Do you guys really think that the IMF and World Bank would skip out on ways to make billions and billions, possibly trillions of dollars? You're fooling yourself. Don't be a chump. And now is the part of the show where I shift to my real thought for the day. And the thought for the day was not the Cold War. It was earlier this afternoon, but now it's shifted. We are in a battle for knowledge. We are in a battle for information. And we're being stonewalled everywhere, whether you realize it or not. How do I know this? Because the movie that we went and saw this weekend had a huge piece of propaganda in it, even though the piece of propaganda was about two minutes long, not even two minutes. we went my wife and I went and saw this as followed very interesting, but if you've ever studied the White House impossible, <laughs> we'll just put it that way, okay. So in it's it's worth going to see if you like, you know, action movies and stuff. Think of it as like a low budget Die Hard or Die Hard with a, a really bad script, which is saying a lot because most Die Hards have really bad scripts. So anyway, not to spoil, but there is a South Korean who basically is in charge of this um m- Merc group, so to speak. And for those that don't know what Merc groups are, just spend some time on the internet, Blackwater, or whatever they change their name to now, those types of people. They're just hired assassins, hired guns to go in and overthrow nations, start up stuff, you know, kind of like the people we fund to go over to Syria and start wars with them. But I digress. So this Merc group, they, they get this guy, and they co-op this guy from the United States. They get him to turn. He's now a terrorist. And so they're sitting down. He's sitting down with the president, and the president's like, I can't believe you sold me out. And this is not a big spoiler, but just keep listening. And so Dylan McDermott's character looks at him and goes, well, you sold us out a long time ago with your globalization and your, and your Wall Street. And I'm sitting there going, oh my god. God, are you kidding? So just keep that in mind, people, because the sheep will see that, and they'll be like, you sound like that Dylan McDermott guy. You ain't one them terrorists, are you? No, seriously, there are people that are like in la-la land, have no clue what's going on, and they would probably believe that. If you go, hey, guess what, they're, they're forming a world government – and they say even on their site they say the the you know the branch for global governance which means global government but they say it's not global government so it's just complete ugh, mind-shattering screw job and if you say hey look out they're going to try to do this like when i was like hey they're going to try to sm- pass a small arms treaty which means we got to register all of our firearms and we're going to have troops here from other countries help quote unquote helping us register them doesn't that sound fun Counting all the bullets, then that sound great. But that's what we gotta be afraid of. Because as crazy as this stuff is, it's gonna get crazier. Why is it gonna get crazier? Because you're gonna see the Euro fail. And nobody wants to see it fail. But the Euro was basically meant to consolidate wealth and and then destroy it. So the IMF and the World Bank come in and scoop up things for pennies on the dollar. It's not a new tactic. It's what they do. It's like sh- showing you a picture of Wiley e. Coyote. It's like, what's do you do? He chases Roadrunners. It's like, oh, here's here's a here's a mercenary from the IMF and World Bank. What do they do? Oh, you go and sign countries onto debt so that they can't pay back, and then you take all their materials, or you assassinate their leaders. Their minerals, excuse me. So for those of you that don't believe I have some very bad news for you. I've got five clips in a row totaling about 20 minutes. I cut this this audio up and it's from it's from confessions it's I don't even think it's from his actual from his actual book. Um, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, and he is just spot on with all – it's John Perkins. I'm sorry. I was, I, it's based on his name, and I was Googling it while I was rambling there. But it's John Perkins, and he goes through what his job was for the IMF and World Bank, was to go and make friends with dictators and say, hey, listen. We're going to give you all this money. You guys are going to get paid off. We're gonna bring in other, you know, We're going to bring in our guys to do – The construction job, on the highway, we're going to give you all this money for infrastructure, we're going to privatize everything. You guys are going to make out like bandits. But hey, here's the big deal. If you don't take the plan, we're going to kill you. And I hope you guys heard that. If you don't take the deal, they're going to kill you. And he talks about how he's propositioned these people more than one time, and they're like, nope, I'm doing this for my... He's like, shh, all right, dude. I like you, but all right. I hope you don't like end up in a plane crash or something. So here is some of the clips because I do want to touch this stuff, and then I'm going to hit the news at the very end because I want you guys to get it. The euro is imploding right now as we speak. The euro is imploding. They're talking about how Cyprus went from 15%, now I think it's up to like 25%. Anybody that has over, you know, uh, over 100 grand in their bank account, we're just going to take 25% because we're the government. We told you so. And we got guns and tanks. So listen up. Remember, there is no, oh man, don't want to get too far down the philosophical trail. Guys, there is no government. There's perceived authority, and as soon as you get that through your head, there is perceived authority. Why do you think all the – why do you think these guys wear $2,000 suits? It's not because they want to wear a $2,000 suit. It's because that's what's going to make them look the most quote-unquote official. Why do you think they wear uniforms with badges and medals and crap all over them? It's because it's what's going to make them look official. It's all a fraud. All a fraud. And now we have our country slowly being taken over by collectivists at the top, super collectivists above them, who are international collectivists, I guess. And, and they don't care. They don't care. That's what I'm trying to get across to you guys. Listen, you you can you know go and if if the stuff really hits fan, you can go to Congress. You can go to whomever. They don't care. They're going to be gone. The people that really know. Are starting to prepare by getting food, any alternative currency that they can, and then just say, okay, well, if if stuff doesn't go down, so be it. But at least I got my food, I got my water, I my alternative currency, and I got a getaway plan. I can get out of here. Because that's what it might come down to. And I'm not trying to fearmonger everybody. Please believe me. I'm not trying to fearmonger. I do not live in a bunker. I don't live... You know in this in this world of you know conspiracy theory, where I think that the government's out to get me, even though the, you know some shady stuff has happened over the last couple of years, you're not going to tie it to any administration. But the more and more I hear, the more the more you hear. listen to people in the know that talk about stuff. Listen to people get interviewed that just try to go after you know government funding. Listen to people that do, um, and I know this sounds bonkers, but it's getting more and more traction every every hour. Listen to people that go out and do UFO research. Listen to those people where they talk about people in black, you know, literally black uniform, black uniforms and black suits show up and say, "Listen, you know, stop all of this stuff. You and your kids, you're dead. Dead serious." Why is there such a lockdown on information? Well, because as anybody that has read 1984 knows, the ministry of truth is always right. So that's what you got to watch out for. It's not that government per se is always going to turn into this big monstrosity with fangs and and like you turn into this big hydra and start eating up towns and stuff like that. No, 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 no. At the root of it, it's still people. But what happens is that people start getting reflected glory from the state, and that's where you have problems, is when the state becomes the reflected glory, where the state isn't looked at the way that the state was looked at here in the U.S. 50, 60 years ago. It's not looked at like that. It is now looked at as the arbiter, the jury and executioner, and it's our savior. Because if we don't have a job, it'll save us. If we don't have health care, it'll save us. Never mind asking where that money is coming from. So keep all this stuff in mind, everyone. When you when you when you get around people, talk to people, strike up conversations. I know in the twenty first century, striking up a conversation with somebody in the grocery line is a little bit passe, but we gotta start doing stuff like that. You got to start making do stuff like what I do. Make outlandish comments about propaganda when you see it. When you see it, when you hear it, when you uh, I mean when you read it, make you know, post it post it on Facebook, Twitter or something be like, look at look, look highlight it, be like this is propaganda, this is serving a purpose. You got to get aware of this stuff, man. Gosh. Oh. The reason I get that, everyone, is because I'm passionate, and it's because I'm passionate about humanity. I'm not passionate about government. I'm not passionate about Jake. I'm not passionate about individuals in general. I'm passionate about our species. I'm passionate about it. I think we're incredible creatures. Can we do some incredibly terrible things? Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the only species on the planet that kills its others. I mean, unless you're in a fight for survival or dominance or something like that, not just for fun. We do it for fun. We do it because you don't look like us. You know, animals in the wild, they look at another animal in the wild and they don't know it. They, they rear up and they and they show their fangs and they're like, oh, I don't really know about you, but I'm gonna, you know, pretend like I'm gonna attack you. Rarely do they ever really attack. It's just like a stalemate. It's like a stare off. But not humans. No, 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 no. If you don't look like us or you don't have the same ideology, we might just we might put an end to you, which to me is crazy. But that's what makes us great. Is that we're 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 kind of together, but we're kind of nuts at the same time, and collectively even more so. So here is, and I'm sorry for the underbelly of um, of music here, and I should have five minutes after I go through all these clips. I'm going to hit them one after another, but um, this first one's two minutes, so. Enjoy this is once again um it's John Perkins' Confessions of an Economic Hitman, but what he does is he goes through what his job was at the i m f how they implode nations, what they do, how they tie people on, all of it so everybody check it out, enjoy it, and uh hopefully I'll catch you on the back side. <music>
0: We economic hitmen really have been the ones responsible for creating this first truly global empire. And we work many different ways. But perhaps the most common is that we will identify a a country that has resources our corporations covet, like oil, and then arrange a huge loan to that country from the World Bank or one of its sister organizations. But the money never actually goes to the country, instead it goes to our big corporations to build infrastructure projects in that country, power plants, industrial parks, ports, things that benefit a few rich people in that country, in addition to our corporations, but really don't help the majority of the people at all. However, those people, the whole country is left holding a huge debt. It's such a big debt they can't repay it, and that's part of the plan. They can't repay it. And so at some point, we economic hitmen go back to them and say, listen, you lost a lot of money, can't pay your debts, so sell your oil real cheap to our oil companies. Allow us to build a military base in your country or send troops in support of ours to someplace in the world like Iraq or vote with us on the next UN vote to have their... The electric utility company privatized, and their water and sewage system privatized and sold to U.S. corporations or other multinational corporations. So there was a whole mushrooming thing, and it's so typical of the way the IMF and the World Bank work. That you put a country in debt, it's such a big debt, it can't pay it, and then you offer to refinance that debt, and it, it, it pay even more interest. And you demand this quid pro quo, which you call a conditionality or good governance, which means basically that they've got to sell off their resources, in, in, including many of their social services, their utility companies, their school systems sometimes, their, their, their penal systems, their insurance systems to foreign corporations. So it's a, it's a double, triple, quadruple whammy.
1: Oh, yeah. And just so you know, the reason that we are in Afghanistan, not because of oil. No, no, no. I'm going to read you the first paragraph from the New York Times, and this was dated um, June 13, 2010. The United States has discovered nearly a trillion dollars in untapped mineral deposits in Afghanistan, far beyond any previously known reserves and enough to fundamentally alter the Afghan economy, perhaps the Afghan war itself, according to senior American government officials. So after what you just heard, what the hell do you think is going to happen over there? Ta-da! You guessed it. We're sending over the big boys in the suits. Shoot. be honest with you, I would rather have a, a group of mercs show up at my house than one guy in these suits. If I was a leader, I'd be like, oh, yeesh. So you guys are going to want everything and probably kill me at the same time. Fantastic. This is going to be fun. All right. Part number two of the economic hitman clip.
0: The president for economic hitmen really began back in the early 50s when democratically elected Mossadegh, who was elected in Iran, he was considered to be the hope for democracy in the Middle East and around the world. He was Time Magazine's man of the year. But for the one animals. of the things that he'd run on and began to implement was the idea that foreign oil companies needed to pay the Iranian people a lot more for the oil that they were taking out of Iran. And the Iranian people should benefit from their own oil. I don't think so. We didn't like that, of course. But we were afraid to do what we normally were doing, which was to send in the military. Instead, we sent in one CIA agent, Kermit Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt's relative. And Kermit went in with a few million dollars and was very, very effective and efficient. And in, in a short amount of time, he managed to get Moustadek overthrown and brought in the Shah of Iran to replace him, who always was favorable to oil. And it was extremely effective. Bombs overflow Tehran. Army officers shout that Mossadegh has surrendered and his regime as virtual dictator of Iran is ended. Pictures of the Shah paraded through the streets as sentiment reverses. Yay, propaganda for Stop Welcome home. So, back here in the United States, uh, in Washington, people looked around and said, Wow, that was easy and cheap. So, this established a whole new way of manipulating countries, of of creating empire. The only problem with Roosevelt was that he was a card-carrying CIA agent, and had he been caught, the ramifications could have been pretty serious. So very quickly at that point, the decision was made to use private consultants to to, to channel the money through the World Bank or the IMF or one of the other such agencies, to bring people like me who worked for private companies, so that if we got caught there would be no governmental ramifications. When Arbenz became president of Guatemala, the country was very much under the thumbs of United Fruit Company, the, the big international corporations. And Arbenz ran on the sticker that said, you know, we want to get the land back to the people. And once he took power, he was he was implementing policies that would that would do exactly that: give the land rights back to the people. United Fruit didn't like that very much, and so they hired a public relations firm, launched a huge campaign in the United States to convince the United States the people, the citizens of the United States, and the press of the United States, and the Congress of the United States that Arbenz was a Soviet puppet, and that if we allowed him to stay in power, the Soviets would have a foothold in this uh, in this hemisphere, and that at, at that point in time was a huge fear on everybody's mind: the Red Terror, the communist terror. And so, to make a long story short, out of this public relations campaign came a commitment on the part of the CIA and the military to take this man out. And in fact, we did. We sent in planes, we sent in We sent in soldiers, we sent in jackals, we sent everything in to take him out, and did take him out. And as soon as he was removed from office, the new guy that took over after him basically reinstated everything to the big international corporations, including United Fruit.
1: Hmm, shocker. Okay, so continuing to roll, and I've actually found a place in uh, UN Agenda 21. I'll um, read you about the chapter subsection and um, even the the subgroup that it's under, so you can go look it up for yourself, because I'm going to read it word for word, and it's exactly word for word for what he was just saying. But, again... I'm a conspiracy theorist because I believe a bunch of rich people and a bunch of greedy bastards would try to get even richer and be even more greedy. So, yeah, I'm a conspiracy theorist. So, there you go. So, continuing with the Confessions of an Economic Hitman.
0: Ecuador, for many, many years, has been ruled by pro-U.S. dictators, often relatively brutal. Then it was decided that they were going to have a truly democratic election. Jaime Roldos ran for office. And his main goal, he said, as president would be to make sure that Ecuador's resources were used to help the people. And he won, overwhelming, by more votes than anybody that ever won anything in Ecuador. And he began to implement these policies to make sure that the profits from oil went to help the people. Well. We didn't like that in the United States. I was sent down as one of several economic hitmen to change Roldo's, to corrupt him, to bring him around, to let him know, you know, okay, you know, you can get very rich, you and your family, if you, if you play our game, but if you, just, if you continue to try to keep these policies you've promised, uh, you, you're going to go. He wouldn't listen. He was assassinated. As soon as the plane crashed, the whole area was cordoned off. The only people allowed in were the U.S. military from a from a nearby base and some of the Ecuadorian military. When an investigation was launched, two of the key witnesses died in car accidents before they had a, t- a chance to testify. A lot of very very strange things that went on around the, the assassination of Jaime Roldos. I, like most people who've really looked at this case, have absolutely no doubt that it was an assassination, and of course. In my position as an economic hitman, I was always expecting something to happen to Jaime, whether it be a coup or assassination, I wasn't sure, but that he would be taken down because he was not being corrupted. He would not allow himself to be corrupted the way we wanted to corrupt him. Omar Torrijos, president of Panama, was, uh, you know, one of my favorite people. I really, really liked him. He was very charismatic. He was a guy who really wanted to help his country. And when I tried to bribe him or corrupt him, he said, look, John, he called me Juanito. He said, look, Juanito, um, I don't need the money. What I really need is for my country to be treated fairly. I need for the United States to repay the debts that you owe my people for all the destruction you've done here. I need to be in a position where I can help other Latin American countries win their independence and, and, and be free of this, of this terrible presence from the north that you people are exploiting us so badly. I need to have the Panama Canal back in the hands of the Panamanian people. That's what I want. And so leave me alone. Don't you know don't try to, don't try to bribe me. It was nineteen eighty one and in May, Jaime Roldos was assassinated. And Omar was very aware of this. Torrijos got his family together and he said, I'm probably next. But it's okay because I've done what I came here to do. i renegotiated the canal. The canal will now be in our hands. He just finished negotiating the treaty with Jimmy Carter. In June of that same year, just a couple of months later, he also went down in an airplane crash, which there's no question was executed by CIA-sponsored Jackals. Tremendous amount of evidence that one of Torrijos' security guards handed him at the last moment as he was getting on the plane a tape recorder, a small tape recorder, that contained a bomb. It is interesting to me how this system has continued pretty much the same way for years and years and years, except the economic hitmen have got better and better and better. Then we come up with, very recently, what happened in Venezuela. In 1998, Hugo Chavez gets elected president, following a long line of presidents who had been very corrupt and basically destroyed the economy of the country. And Chavez was elected to install the land. Chavez stood up to the United States, and he's done it primarily demanding that Venezuelan oil be used to help the Venezuelan people. Well, we didn't like that in the United States. So in 2002, The coup was staged, which there's no question in my mind, in most other people's minds, that the CIA was behind that coup. The way that that coup was fomented was very reflective of what Kermit Roosevelt had done in Iran, of of paying people to go out into the streets to riot, to protest, to say this Chavez is very unpopular. You know, if you can get a few thousand people to do that, the the, the television can make it look like the whole country, and things start to mushroom. Except in the case of Chavez, he was smart enough, and the people were so strongly behind him, that they overcame it. Which was a phenomenal moment in the history of Latin America. Iraq actually is a perfect example of the way the whole system works. So we economic hitmen are the first line of defense. We go in, we try to corrupt governments and get them to accept these huge loans which we then use as leverage to basically own them. If we fail, as I failed in, in Panama with Omar Torrijos and in Ecuador with Jaime Roldos, men who refuse to be corrupted, then the second line of defense is we send in the jackals. And the jackals either overthrow governments or they assassinate. And once that happens and a new government comes in, and boy, it's going to toe the line because the new president knows what will happen if he doesn't. In the case of Iraq, uh, both of those things failed. Economic hitmen were not able to get through to Saddam Hussein. We tried very hard. We tried to get him to accept a deal very similar to what the House of Saud had accepted in Saudi Arabia, but he wouldn't accept it. And so the jackals went in to take him out. They couldn't do it. His security was very good. Um, after all, he had one time worked for the CIA. He'd been hired to assassinate a former president of, of, of Iraq and failed, but he knew the system. So, in 91, we send in the troops and we take out the Iraqi military. So we assume at that point that Saddam Hussein is going to come around. We could have taken him out, of course, at that time, but we didn't want to. He's the kind of strong man we like. He controls his people. We thought he could control the Kurds and keep the Iranians in their border and keep pumping oil for us. And then once we took out his military, now he's going to come around. So the economic hitmen go back in in the 90s without success. If they had had success, he'd still be running the country. We'd be selling him all the fighter jets he wants and everything else he wants. But they couldn't. they, they, They didn't have success. The jackals couldn't take him out again so we sent the military in once again and this time we did the complete job and took him out and in the process created for ourselves some very, very lucrative construction uh, deals we had to reconstruct a country that we would essentially destroyed which is a pretty good deal if you own construction companies, big ones
1: Halliburton Halliburton. so you know, Iraq
0: shows the three stages the economic hitmen fail there the jackals fail there and as a final measure the military goes in
1: Okay, closing one, five more minutes, and I got two and a half minutes on the last. And, um, got some, like I said, got some interesting stuff coming up, so you guys stay tuned. Remember to check me out on Twitter, We Are Not Cattle, the number one. We are not cattle, the number one. And YouTube is We Are Not Cattle TV. And also check my website out, wearenotcattle.net. Here's the last clip, and then I'm going to finish up with a couple of news articles on the last side, and I will link those to my website, so you guys can check them out. They'll be on there tomorrow, hyperlink, for your reading enjoyment.
0: And in that way, we've really created an empire, but we've done it very, very subtly. It's clandestine. All the empires of the past were built on the military, and everybody knew they were building them. So the British knew they were building them, the French, the Germans, the, the Romans, the, the Greeks, And they were proud of it. And they always had some excuse, like spreading civilization, spreading some religion, something like that. But they they knew they were doing it. We don't. The majority of the people in the United States have no idea that we're living off the benefits of the clandestine empire. That today there's more slavery in the world than ever before. And then you have to ask yourself, well, if if it's an empire, then who's the emperor? Obviously, our presidents of the United States are not emperors. An emperor is someone who's not elected, doesn't serve a limited term and doesn't report to anyone essentially. Hmm. So you can't classify our presidents that way but we do have what I consider to be the equivalent of the emperor and it's what I call the corporatocracy yep. the corporatocracy Yay. is this group of individuals who run our biggest corporations and they really act as the emperor of this empire um, they control our media, either through direct ownership or advertising. They control most of our uh, politicians because they finance their campaigns, either through their corporations or through personal contributions that come out of the corporations. They're not elected, and they don't serve a limited term, they don't report to anybody. And at the very top of the corporatocracy, you really can't tell whether a person's working for a private corporation or the government because they're always moving back and forth. So, you know, you've got a New guy Gingert's. who in one moment is the president of, uh, of a big construction company like Halliburton, and, and the next moment he's vice president of the United States, or the That's president soccer. who is in the oil business. And, and this is true whether you've got Democrats or Republicans in the office. You have to moving back and forth through the revolving door. And in a way, um, our government is, is invisible a lot of the time, and its policies are carried out by our corporations on one level or another. And then again... The policies of the government are basically forged by the corporatocracy and then presented to the government, and they become government policy. So it's an incredibly cozy relationship. This isn't a conspiracy theory type of thing. These people don't have to get together and, and plot to do things. They all basically work under one primary assumption, and that is that they must maximize profits regardless of the social and environmental costs. This process of manipulation by the corporatocracy through the use of debt, bribery, and political overthrow is called
1: globalization. Just so that's, that's the last clip. I just wanted you to guys to hear that. But when I sit here and I talk about the New World Order, when I talk about globalization, when I talk about globalism, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a bunch of guys going out and overthrowing nations in order to get minerals so that they can benefit monetarily. Why is that dangerous? Well, let's see. If the monetary system fails, then they will only have minerals to grow and then it's going to be a free-for-all. So you're exactly right. Why does it really matter if if the economy fails? Well, it'll just get much, 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 much worse and much, much crazier. So... I got 4 minutes left so here are here is the subsection of uh UN Agenda 21 which I was um I was talking about before in one of those little segments talking about how they do funding and remember what he said about how they're always going to tie it on to something. So in UN Agenda 21 chapter 2 subsection uh 26 um paragraph the first paragraph actually. It says, in regard to external debt and crude with commercial banks, the process begin or the progress begin made under strengthening a debt strategy and recognizing a more rapid implementation of this strategy is encouraged. So what they're saying is that make sure that the country has enough debt to handle this, and then we're going to give them more debt. But in essence, what they do is they fund these guys, Through loans from the IMF, World Bank, and then private other loans, and then they're going to hold the countries hostage. And so you're sitting there saying, well, I can understand if a country has enough wealth and resources to handle this, but what about the third world developing countries? Because Agenda 21 is going to go there too. Well, I'm glad you asked, because that's part of the next section. The international community encourages subsection heading letter A. Other countries with heavy debts to banks negotiate similar commercial debt reduction with their creditors. So exactly like what he was talking about. You're going to come in with the bad debt that you were given before to create, um, um, whether it's, uh, let's say, redo roads, rebuild infrastructure, whatever. And once again, these jobs are not coming to these countries. They're bringing in private global corporations to go and do this stuff. So it's not like you get $2 billion for Zimbabwe, and now you get to you know, build the roads, and you got to have your people do it. No, no, no. Our people are going to come in. We're going to give you the loan, and you just sit there and hold tight. And next month, we'll be coming and ask for that check. You better got that check. You know what I'm saying? So it gets even better. Um, in connection with multilateral debt, it is encouraged serious attention to be given to continuing work towards growth oriented solutions to the problem of developing countries with serious. Debt servicing problems, including those whose debt is mainly the official creditors or to multilateral financial institutions, which the IMF and World Bank both own, so they get money coming and going so it doesn't really matter to them. Partially in the case of low-income countries, in the process of economic reform, of support of multilateral financial institutions in the form of new distributes or new distributes. Dang it. I am so sorry. New disbursements, oh, that was tough. New disbursements and the use of the concessional funds is welcome. The use of support groups will be continued providing resources to clear areas of countries embarking upon vigorous economic reform programs, programs supported by the IMF and the World Bank, measures of multilateral financial institutions such as the refinancing of Interests on non-consensual loans with the IDA reflows fifth dimensions are noted with appreciation. Here's where it gets fun. Good management and fosters the association of effective, efficient, honest, equitable, accountable public administration and individual rights and opportunities that is essential for the the element of sustainable, broad-based development and sound economic performance, performance at all developed levels countries should include or should increase their efforts to eradicate mismanagement of public and private affairs, including corruption, acting into or t- taking into account the factors responsible for agents involved in this phenomenon. Well, I guess you and Agenda 21, we could just probably start right here in America where we mismanage everything and we have corruption through the wazoo. Well, it sounds like I only got a few seconds left, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you listen live, I'm going to go a couple minutes longer on the backside because I did want to hit some news notes. Now, pulling up my news items for today, one of the things that I did want to talk about was President Barack Obama made a statement today that is very exciting for people that want to take my firearms. And this is from the Hill blog, and this is um, this was yesterday at 6 a.m. Obama presses Congress to vote for assault weapons ban. This is the headline. And it says, Obama in his weekly address urged both chambers of Congress to hold a vote on a series of gun control measures, including the controversial assault weapons ban and the limit on magazines. And here is what President Obama said. These ideas shouldn't be controversial. They are common sense, Obama said. They are supported by the majority of American people. So if the majority t- vote to take my gun, they can they can have them. Uh, sorry, this is a republic, not a democracy. Thought you were a constitutional scholar, but let's see where you're taking this. And I urge the Senate and House to give each of them a vote. Oh, so you're giving all of the people that that believe the way that you believe they get a vote, but people like myself that understand that the cops can't be anywhere. And if somebody breaks into my house, I'm not going to sit here and wait seven minutes. I'm going to protect my family and and my possessions and myself and my livelihood and my right to exist on this planet. Nah, it doesn't really matter. And here we go, as always. Referencing the mass shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary that killed 20 children and six adults three months ago, Obama on Saturday was... Press lawmakers to pass legislation that would make it harder for criminals and people with mental illnesses to buy guns and expand the national national background checks. So exactly how are you going to keep the criminals from buying the guns? Do we have background checks on the street now? Do we need to have the criminals go – should we put all the guns in the police station and then have the criminals come get them and say I would like to check that AR-15 out – Right there with the extended mag, I'm about to go do a drive-by. Which assault rifles are only used in like less than five percent of crimes? So I I don't know what the gun grabber's big to do is, but get a life, go find a clip to jump off, please. You're ruining society for all of us. And so con- continuing, right now we've had a real chance to reduce gun violence here in America and prevent the very worst violence. We have a unique opportunity to reaffirm our tradition of responsible gun ownership. Where in the heck in the Constitution does it say, you know, you got the right to bear arms responsibly? Which over in Europe is you have your gun in a gun safe inside of a locker in a shooting club, and you can take your shotgun from your house to the shooting club and then back to your home, and it's got to be secure, and you have checks for it. So, hey, that sounds perfectly reasonable. And let's do more to keep guns out of the hands of criminals or some people with severe illnesses. I'm quoting again. So last quote. We've made progress over the last three months, but we're not there yet. It's always progress when when somebody that is of a a liberal or a democratic point of view brings the Republican over to their side… But it's always stonewalling if they ever try to go the other way. I've never figured that out. But once again, that's the two-party system. Maybe I will never know. It's like the, um, the, the magic of the Wizard of Oz, I guess. And I hope members of Congress will join me in finishing the job. our communities and more importantly – wait, wait. For our communities and most importantly, stand on the bodies of the dead kids, Obama, for our kids. I I just don't know what to say anymore. I really don't know what to say anymore about these people. I don't get it. And it goes on to talk about Chucky Schumer and oh my gosh, it's just ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. I mean, we got real issues to worry about, guys. Real issues and you guys can get all, you know, uppity about who we need to do something about the guns. We need to do this. Listen, let me explain something to you. If we have a Euro collapse followed by a a mass depression here in the United States, you're going to want some guns, okay? So all you gun grabbers that think that everybody is, is just peaches and that we all should just love and cuddle and hold hands, go move to Detroit or go move to Oakland. And then just explain to the criminal when they come up to you with a gun and say, give me your wallets, hey, hey, hey. We 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 don't need guns. I don't need a gun to protect myself. Why do you have a gun to steal from you, dummy? Give me your stuff. It's that simple. It is really that simple. And I'm sorry for the kids at Sandy Hook. I did not mean anything by that. But when you've got a politician that does this time and time again, they go there and use them as leverage. They're using kids as leverage. They don't care about those kids at Sandy Hook you kidding me? Their children go to schools with armed guards and bomb sweeps and you name it. They don't give a flying rip. It's just the fake facade that they care. Now, why does all this matter, Jake? Well, let me get to the meat of why I'm so upset. And that is something that came out in Reuters, The I think it was yesterday, But this is the headline, and then I will once again repost this, because this is the big enchilada, and this is through Reuters, so remember, take it with a grain of salt. Cyprus and the EU agreed to draft a proposal to rescue the banks. Oh, we got to rescue the banks that bet all your money away and then lost it because the stock market started to crumble. Or they lost it because they put it into some derivative garbage and then resold it to somebody else, and then that company went belly up. So now they're out of money. So here is the funsies. The proposal, which will now be presented to the Eurozone financial ministers for discussion, aka the Eurozone Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan banksters that just get to sit there and make policy to everyone. If you guys don't believe me, you know, go look it up for yourself. Much like I talked about the very first part of this show, just go research this stuff. It'll make you want to throw up will involve setting up a quote-unquote good bank and a quote-unquote bad bank. Oh, my God. We're like in – this is like Looney Tunes land. Only we'll the, the popular Bank of Cyprus, known as Lockheed, will, will effectively be shut down. Oh, no more money laundering. I don't know who really pissed these people off, but somebody really did because a lot of money used to get laundered through Cyprus. I know that. Deposits below 100,000 euros in Lockheed will be transferred to the Bank of Cyprus. Deposits with above 100,000 euros, which under EU law are not insured, oh, how convenient, under EU law, what about, what about your, whatever, will be frozen and be used to resolve debt. Doesn't that sound like funsies? Let's do that here. How about that? What if Barack Obama came out today and said, listen, we have a crisis, but we can get through this if we all work together and come through as Americans. What I'm proposing to Congress is that every American with over $25,000 in their bank account have it transferred to ZD Bank and your funds will be safe. Americans with over a hundred thousand dollars you're going to transfer it to the bank of I screw you and we're going to freeze it to help resolve our financial country's debt crisis so you're going to take my money after taxes in order to solve the crisis you guys created, just wanted to make sure I got that straight. And that's how absurd it is. They created the crisis. They have created all of this. They need to go to jail, and not be bailed out. What the hell are you guys thinking? And then what's going to happen is you're going to have the same thing that happened in France and Portugal. Be I mean, riots in the streets. Hundreds, no, what did I read like a couple weeks ago? Hundred half a half a million people watched on the march on the Capitol. No coverage in America whatsoever. Don't need to know about that. Super Bowl just happened. Whoa! Wonder who your team's gonna draft this year. Combine's coming up. Do you see how you get played? And listen, if you don't like economics and you don't like math and you don't like all that stuff, just understand this: a bunch of really nasty people are trying to mess with your money and they don't care who you are because guess what they got the government in their back pocket and it doesn't matter so if they say to take 30 percent of your bank account they're gonna do it because they're bought and paid for that is the extra goody that you get that is the extra goody that we all get is that these guys are all agents for the Global Banking Consortium. And that's why I advocate to anybody that listens to me, use alternative currencies. where acceptable. Use Bitcoin. we acceptable. If you don't know how to buy Bitcoin, go online. It'll take you a while. You got to take some time to transfer some money to accounts and stuff. I know it seems like a big pain in the butt, but I promise you it is worth it. So once again, everybody, I didn't get to all the articles that I wanted to cover. I did wanna here, let me touch on this one really quick, then I'll I'll cut the podcast off. But here is what is amazing. And this is the way that it should be. Now I know I'm gonna get some pushback from this and stuff like that. But it says what an unusual what an unusual Swedish mannequin reveals about a body image. And they show these two plus size mannequins in there, not the not the stick figure mannequins that that don't exist in real life, but you know well, Madison Avenue wants you to believe that that's what that's what men like. They want you to believe that men like skinny like like almost uh, like it's really really weird it's like almost like almost like ultra skinny women, which studies have proven that 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 the, the, the that the even that our eyes, men's eyes, don't like that. We like to see curvy, full figured women. It's it's ingrained in your DNA. It's there because if you saw a skinny woman back in the day, you would say, Oh my gosh, this woman hasn't eaten, she can't bear children. You see a girl that's a little bit on the curvy side, then you're like, Well, she could actually sustain having a child, so that's the one that you're going to be attracted to. It's you can't do anything about it, it's neurochemistry, it's already in there can't do anything about it. It's like your lizard brain. So here's what the article says. A photo of two plus-size mannequins went viral earlier this week when a blogger for Women's Rights News posted it on Facebook to an overwhelming response. Last I checked, it had 57,000 likes and 17,000 shares. The original posting said the full-bodied, scantily clad mannequins were in use at a trendy Swedish department store, H&M. A claim that turned out not to be true. Instead, they're on display at a different Swedish department store, though H&M did not rule out using such models in the future. Regardless of what the store has said on this display, the visual reputation of gaffing models in the fashion industry has clearly struck a chord. Let's face it, part of the mannequin's viral appear is no doubt the illusion that they came from Sweden and norm uh, Bastion of push, pushing the envelope culture fair that brought us up to the likes of IKEA and the girl with the dragon tattoo. We secretly want to take all our lifestyle cues from Sweden. Okay, maybe it's just me. And This is just this is once again an, an advertorial article, but it gets into even better stuff here. But the excitement and interest generated by the mannequins for it's run deeper than that. Call it a hunch, but I think that what we have felt quite a discussion here, said one popular syndicated columnist on her Facebook page where I first viewed the image, which is clearly what Women's Rights News was you know, posting the photos for. Store mannequins in Sweden look like real women. U.S. investment. U.S. should invest in some of these. Read the caption. So what she goes on to say in here is is that it's just about being real. And I think that people are starting to want more real things. Which is great because the more you want stuff real, the more you want non GMO food, the more you want the more you want real reform, the more you want real change. You don't want just somebody, you know, giving you lip service to something. It's gonna have to be and it can't just be a political thing, it's gotta be a it's got to be a thing that goes off in your head where you just say, I get it. I I lived in suspended disbelief. I lived in this world for so long. I want to know about the real world. And once you get into the real world about how the economy works, about how legislation gets made, about – What's going on in the world? Once you start getting into those types of things, everything else seems very, very, very insignificant. From the types of clothes that you wear to the you know the, the to the restaurants that you eat at, it's all going to start seeming very, very insignificant. Because at the end of the day, we are as individuals insignificant. As individuals, we're not very powerful. That's once again. That's why they, most individuals have to have something to portray power to to project. is probably a better way to project power, to project authority, to project all these things. Because individuals in and of themselves are very weak, but as a collective, as a group, we're very strong people found that out a long time ago. You know, our founding fathers didn't want parties, but they found that out a long time ago. We've got to get people together because, once again, the individual is weak, but as a collective, we are strong. And when I say weak, I don't mean physically weak. The individual can do a lot of things. But if you want real change, if you want real reform, it's going to have to come from much more than just one person. Mother Teresa, Mahatma Gandhi, they can do... All they can to do their type of reform, their change, they can't do it for everyone. So now it's our time is what I'm saying. And I say this all the time on my show because I want you to get fired up about it because it is something to get fired up about. You have an opportunity now with the life that you have, with the the information that is readily available, to make an incredible difference on your future, your child's future, and your grandchildren's future. That to me is profound. That to me says man this is the reason I'm here the reason I'm here is to do something about this it's to change the change the narrative change it why globalization so a bunch of little little guys in little suits can get super rich and we can all be broke screw them that's the way you got to look at screw them you know, how about this? How about you only have, you know, 8 zeros in your bank account instead of, you know, 11. If 8 zeros mean that we get to that we get to save the world and keep you guys from starting World War 3 and and nuclear arms and all that kind of stuff, then I vote for that. I vote for enlightenment. I vote for change. I vote for reform and not fake reform like you get out of Washington with a bunch of lawyers Drawing up legislation with loopholes and crap in it. I mean real reform. I mean real change. I want some answers. And I think that you do too. So thanks for listening, everybody. Tune in next Sunday. I'll be here at 9 o'clock. The Sunday after that, I'm going to have on my show – it should be Sunday. If it's not, look for some time slots, and I'll give you an update next week. I'm in talks with Ricky Ross right now to get him on my show. I just had him on the Adam versus the Man show so I should be able to get him on my broadcast. I'm going to have a couple other guests lined up for you. Look for a new YouTube channel to come out with me and a couple of my other buddies. We're going to collaborate and put out some really good work. So you guys stay tuned. And, hey, once again, everybody, get a friend, get informed, and get involved. And as soon as I know about Bilderberg this year, I'll let everybody know about it. And for those of you that don't know what the Bilderberg group is, look it up, and I'll take you on the next time. Thanks for listening, everybody.